0: All right, let's do this. How are you, what the fuckers? What the fuck, buddies? What the fuck, Nicks? What's happening? How's it going out there? Seriously, how's it going? What's happening? Uh, Today, I talked to uh, David Mandel. He's a writer, director, and producer. He worked on Veep and became the showrunner in the final three seasons. He also worked on SNL, Seinfeld, The Simpsons, and Curb Your Enthusiasm. He's the director and producer of the new HBO limited series, White House Plumbers, which I enjoyed because, like on just right up on a base level, I kind of like anything Woody Harrelson does. I don't know when that happened or how it happened, but uh, he and uh, Justin Thoreau, quite good. But I didn't realize, you, you know, I thought it was, it is a comedy to a degree. It's sort of shot like that. But apparently uh, Gordon Liddy, G. Gordon Liddy and, uh, and uh, E. Howard Hunt were kind of clowns. I, it really actually, I didn't, I didn't really know that, but I, I enjoyed this series and I'll talk to him in a minute. So, so what I'm trying to say here is that, uh, I just, I don't, I'm always surprised by other people doing things. The, the, like, I don't quite have a sense of, or I know that my life is relatively small and what's coming in and what's going out is, 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 uh, is finite. There's a context to it. I don't stay in touch with the big picture unless it comes up on my newsfeed in terms of peers doing things, or unless I hear things. But there's some part of me that's always surprised when people are doing things because some part of my brain thinks that because I don't hear of something going on, that it's just not happening. It's sort of like the opposite of, uh, of FOMO. Whatever the inverse of fear of missing out is, um, I have that. And what what I have after that a feeling is like, oh, I had no idea anybody in the world was doing anything you know, other than, you know, what my direct experience is. And I'm always pleasantly surprised. I'm not everybody every day is just uh, not functioning or on some sort of pause mode. And But sadly, as soon as I hear somebody doing something or something going on, I'm like, then I go right into uh, FOMO. And I'm just sort of like, how did I miss everything? Like uh, an example that's sort of a stretch, but I, uh, you know, I started w- watching uh, Rami Yousef show because I'm going to talk to him eventually and also I had the same experience when I was watching Dead Ringers because I was going to talk to Rachel Vice is that he, he, you know both of these shows like Rami show, has been on for 3 seasons and I kind of knew about him and I kind of I kind of knew the show was there but not really so then I watched his comedy special it was pretty good and then I watched his show and I'm like this is fucking amazing and I'm just overwhelmed with some sort of relief and gratitude that great things are being made by diverse communities, by ethnically diverse communities. Like I didn't I watched a season and a half or so of Rami, of Rami Youssef's show. And I realized like I'm a grown man, I'm 59 years old, and I have no idea what the lives of Muslim Americans are like, or or someone brought up by first generation Muslim Americans. Or immigrants, or or what being Muslim in even a casual sense was like. You know, you assume a religion's a religion, but you know, I didn't know anything about the Egyptian American experience. And on some level, why would I? But my first thought is, well, goddamn it, am I just old? Am I out of the loop? I mean, is, uh, how how did I not know this? Well, why would I know it? It was the same experience with um with Reservation Dogs. You know, like well, I knew that show was one of a kind, first of its kind, of a Native American-owned and operated and created show. But I was like, this is a whole world of of life that I had no sense of. And in a different sense, uh, you know, Dead Bringers is different in that, you know, it, it it deals specifically with a a sort of spectrum of women's issues around reproductive rights and treatment, in a way. So, like, I have this weird... Thing where I'm like, I had no idea any of this was going on. It must be because I'm old. But also, as Brendan pointed out to me, it was more because a lot of people, their life is they go to work, they come home, they eat and they watch TV for a few hours. Many people watch three or four shows a week, if not more. I barely watch television. I don't know what I'm doing. I guess I'm working. I guess I'm out doing comedy. I guess I'm taking in movies, but I don't really watch shows regularly that often. And I certainly, generally, outside of succession, uh, am not on the pulse of what the culture is up to. It seems like a lot of people are watching that. And that's pretty great. But these other shows are hitting me in a different way, where I'm like, some part it gives me hope somehow. It's a weird thing. And I'll probably talk about this again. You know, when I talk to Rami, it, it just sort of, like, it gives me hope that these voices are out there in the face of what we're kind of dealing with as a country politically, uh, it makes me happy that, that it's happening, that these voices are being heard, that there's something about the nature of entertainment and their need for content, streaming content, that a good deal of money is being spent uh, on, on, on content or shows or limited series that are provocative, progressive, aggressive, New, extreme in a way. And I keep seeing them as some sort of political reaction. Maybe they're not. You know, it's not like everybody's going to watch Rami or everybody's going to watch Underground Railroad, which is another example of this. But I think that given the nature of the political situation we're in, that these are voices. I mean, I'm not going out into the streets, or maybe I'm being, maybe I'm just being some weird, excitable old man that's just sort of learning about something. You know, but we're in a world where like the Montana State House just voted to bar the state's only transgender lawmaker from the House floor for the remainder of the legislative season because they spoke out in defense of their constituents and in defense of their gender status. And they were shut down by the state government being part of the state government happened in Tennessee. So this is what is happening a sort of aggressive, shameless, GOP-driven fascism uh, that has no no patience or or desire for democracy. And I have thought about this before, and I'm going to think about it again out loud, that once you remove tolerance from the national discourse or political discourse, there's no hope for democracy. When you just have assholes doubling down on drawing lines and shutting another party out without debate, without respect, uh, without tolerance. There's no, there's, there's no future for democracy. So when I see shows that I think represent voices that aren't generally heard or aren't, uh, you know, generally integrated into the entertainment entertainment paradigm, I think it's some grand political statement I don't even know if it's big enough. Hopefully there's other things that will guarantee the future of democracy. But in a lot of states, uh, the shit is coming down. Abortion restrictions and bannings uh, in some sort of hope, I guess, on their part to populate the state with like minded people. Maybe they have a better shot at uh, enforcing fascism with people who are born unwanted unparented properly, poorly parented, angry. Maybe they're just thinking of the long game of harnessing that anger to their political means and othering anyone who doesn't believe like them. So that on some level, and maybe I'm being too sort of uh, old man lefty-ish, I think that these voices are resoundingly political, even though it's just a limited series. I, uh, I may have jumped a gun in my reaction to my uh, blood numbers. I, I know this is maybe only a ongoing tale for the people that might be interested, who are of a certain age that are obsessed mildly or, or totally with their, uh, with their health. But because I was given my test results without doctor commentary, I assumed that an LDL cholesterol bad cholesterol, they call it, of 102 was bad. And after doing a little more research, I found that uh, after talking to my friend James, who is an amateur doctor, uh, who said he asked me about my, tri- my triglycerides. And when I told him that my triglycerides were 54, he was like, holy shit, what are you worried about? You're healthy as fuck. And when I told him about my good cholesterol, 72, he was like, oh my God. But I uh, was only preoccupied with the red 102 and the flagging of my test results before doctor input that I was uh, on the bad path. But apparently, according to the doctor, everything's normal. I guess there's a ratio to all this and that my total cholesterol of 185 is fine, if not good. But because I'm me, I'm still going to reach out to my, um, my uh, cardiologist to make sure, given my history of arterial plaque, that I'm okay. So, I guess this is all to say I will be remaining a vegan for the, uh, uh, the undetermined future. Or whatever that word is that you put there. For the, uh, for the indeterminate, I don't know, what is the word? See, how's it going to help my brain? So, look, this show, The White House Plumbers, which premieres Monday night, May 1st at 9 p.m. on HBO. And it'll be streaming on HBO Max, is pretty great. I enjoyed it, learned new things, watched some good acting. It was very uh precise about the time period. It's it's a great show. And David Mandel, um, he's the director and producer of this uh of this new show. And I talked to him about writing comedy and other things, life stuff. So this is me talking to David Mandel. <laughs>
1: So you think here. I? What, where would we have met? What? When, when were you? I was at SNL ninety two to ninety five, and I guess I and then and I was and then I was also friends and my he was yeah. I guess my mentor a bit uh, Al Franken. And oh, yeah. So and then obviously you guys crossed over sort of in the air. So I felt like that was
0: until two thousand four. So no, but I thought somewhere
1: in there when because like when I was like, around because like there was that moment where like Sarah Silverman and David Tell yeah. were on the show yeah. and I felt like. I was stand around. ups and people were coming to the show. The after yeah, parties. I don't think it could be wrong. I uh, yeah. never
0: went to an after party. Okay, and I never went to the show, but I was definitely around. The I maybe mean, was, I think somewhere. Yeah, I think Luna Lounge started in the mid '90s. Okay,
1: you never did stand up. No, never. Yeah, the closest I ever came was I gave a uh, I gave a uh, I gave the uh humor oration at my college graduation and that was it for me. Yeah. Always comedy writing? Uh yeah. Where would you grow up though? Uh New York City, 70th and West End. Really? Yeah. The whole time? Whole time. Yeah, Just, my folks are still there Lincoln Towers. Really? Yeah. And uh so you're a New York kid. Yeah, I mean it's you know middle class projects. That's yeah, what it yeah. Was. yeah,
0: yeah. <laughs> what, what what were your folks in?
1: <laughs> My dad to this day cuz he's one of those yeah. guys that just he's going to go to his office yeah. till the day they carry How old him is out. He? He's 1938. That's so my he's, dad too, 84? Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And he just office every day, sometimes yeah. on Saturdays too. Oh, good. And he's like, what know, office? trust in the What estate. goes on then? Nothing. I mean, he calls and piles What's of his paper. his He sort of has, he does taxes and trusts yeah. in estates, and he yeah. still has clients that are even older than him wow. that he's helping. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. But- you know, yeah. it's like, it so I don't like, know what he does there. Is it one of those old offices? It's not because his old, his old office like eventually just sort of shut down. So he found some newer, younger people that like like he rents an office yeah, 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 from yeah, yeah, the, yeah, kind oh, of a okay. thing. Yeah. So he's like the old yeah. guy in
0: the hip work. Yes. <laughs>
1: <laughs> I don't know if it's that hip, but yeah, he is definitely the old guy that occasionally <laughs> they come in and go like, hey, we yeah. have a tax question. And your mom was, what she She a, was a teacher. She started as a public school teacher. So you uh, remember the old New York. Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Public school teacher in New
1: York. Yeah. I yeah. mean, we're talking, and I'm not making this up. The first, pr- I think it was her first principal that she ever worked yeah. for. And I will preface this with this yeah. guy eventually, I think, murdered his wife and went to prison. Uh-huh. But he, on day one of her getting there, he explained to her that the best method was you back a kid up against a locker, basically. Yeah and then you flinch at them but you don't touch them yeah. but then they hit their own heads on yeah. the back of the locker yeah. and that's how you get away with it that was day 1 of In public terms school of disciplining? teaching disciplining and how to that was his theory on education. And I that guess, guy yeah. ended
0: up killing his wife? Yes,
1: I believe so. And uh, uh, yeah, wow. exactly. Yeah. Excellent so, story. Yeah.
0: <laughs> we try. We try. <laughs> and, Bring and, a little <laughs> New York to your show. <laughs> and you have siblings? Or,
1: yeah. I got a younger sister, yeah.
0: So where did... Uh, so you're just running around the city when yeah, you were a kid?
1: Yeah, just running around That was city. like
0: your... It's amazing when that there was a time in New York where you grew up there. Like parents are just like... Because I got... My buddy Sam's a teacher up at Columbia. And okay. He's got this New York kid. Two New York kids,
1: and they're different than any other kid. It is so different. And when I take my kids back to, I don't think about it out here, but when we go back to visit my folks, and as I said, they're still there, 70th and West End, like when I watch my children walk on the street, oblivious, oblivious, as if everyone's going to move, as if, traffic yeah. isn't there and right. whatever yeah. and it's it, it's a different species and I do it out Scary. here and my wife laughs at me out here because I'm constantly like not that we're on the streets yeah. that right. much but I'm constantly like <laughs> like seeing something and moving to one side sure. like, like, yeah. like way ahead yeah. or like all of a sudden yeah. my hand's in my pocket yeah. because I'm a little nervous like yeah. someone's coming near us or something <laughs> like that and she of course thinks it's hilarious because she grew up in Maine yeah. where like basically right now you could yeah. drive to her parents house in yeah. maine the door
0: is open sure. it is unlocked yeah, yeah and those kind of places you just got to worry about the one guy
1: yes exactly and they all know who he is it's so-and-so's
0: <laughs> son you know what right. i mean yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah
1: yeah but uh but yeah
0: i mean there's this uh there's when new york city is your backyard
1: you have a sensibility my buddies and i and i was yeah. talking with one of them the other day we used to go like You know, our Friday nights, there was always a movie involved and then different places. And one way or another, we'd end up at like, you know, Bleaker Bob's or something like that. But one of the things we used to love to do, and it was so crazy. And we were were sort of sometimes trying to write stuff. We didn't know what we were Mm. doing. You know, we Mm -hmm. were just sort of playing around with shit. Yeah. But we would go to the... uh, the Hyatt on 42nd, uh, yep. across from the Chrysler building, the one, the the Grand Hyatt yeah, there. Yeah. We'd sit in the lobby and we'd sort of shoot the shit and yeah. play around with ideas. And then we would kind of mark the prostitutes, the high-end prostitutes. Sure. Like basically, the guy would come down the elevator, meet her in the, meet her in the lobby, yeah. take her up, and then come down like an hour later without yeah. his, his jacket. And that was like a Friday night in New York City. <laughs> Before you could drink, yes. This is I'm talking like we're 16. Yeah, this yeah. is what we're doing. That we're sounds like the counting perfect. counting prostitutes. That's yeah. why, of course, that's what you'd be yeah. doing.
0: Yeah, why not? You, can, you gotta be creative. Where yeah. do you want to hang out? That was in our theater. the early comedy attempts. Yes, <laughs> but we're close. I think in age, so you kind of remember. And I, as I get older now, you, I kind of remember like there was a menace to to like. Because I used to go to New Jersey to visit my grandmother, you know, from when I grew up in New Mexico, but all my people were Jersey, take the bus into Port Authority at 14 years old and just spend the day in the city. Yeah. And it was, it was more dangerous
1: then. I can, what I remember. Menacing. And I don't know if you had this because of, again, this was living there at the time, which was, as I got older, I had my, I had these borders that, that would disappear. So like when I was a little kid, it was like. I was on 70th, and yeah. it was just, like, not allowed past 72nd. Right. Then it was 86th, then it was 96. Yeah. And it, I, honestly, it never went past 96. Like, my parents didn't care what I did below 96th yeah. Street, but it was like, don't go above 96th Street. Unless I, you're going to Columbia. Yeah, exactly. But if I was not going to Columbia, so yeah, exactly. But right. it was like, literally, just do not go above well, that was that was the... Yeah. That was the
0: a, a, a slightly racist yes, interpretation no, exactly of, of, of the count. city. Yes, exactly. Uh, but I mean, it's nice up there now. And it was nice up there then in some places. Well,
1: now yeah. I have like friends, you know, from high school. Yeah. And, and one day they'll go, oh, we just bought a place. And I'm like, oh, where is it? And they'll go like, you know, "Oh, it's 187th. And my initial instinct, I go like, wait, what? And then I, and then I go there and I go, oh my God, this is incredible or wherever But that's it is. where that, like, but that's a, what is that called up there? Uh, is that like Spite and Dival or the Bronx beyond I mean, the Bronx you're kind of that, right in that area yeah there. i thought yeah. there was a name of that um, area there maybe there may I, be. i, I forget
0: yeah. I, uh, yeah but it's nice up
1: there yes it yeah. is yeah but it in but child, when we were kids it me it just seemed like the in, warriors or something right but yeah. oh, that's funny
0: <laughs> but in the 70s it was it was it felt
1: uh, a little more dangerous oh yeah and, and, uh, and, and I was, I mean, I've been mugged more times than I care to count. Really? Oh, yeah. I that got, was a- <laughs> we got mugged on the subway. You did? Got mugged. Uh, when you were a kid? Oh, yeah. Because I went to school up in, up in the Bronx. I went to school. I went to private school up in Riverdale. And Riverdale.
0: There, is that what I'm thinking of? I oh, think is that what, what you me, were thinking yeah. of?
1: Okay, sorry. Yeah. So the Archie comics, but not the real mm-hmm. one. Um, and we would, I had a school bus, but if we finished early, we could go home you Know we could take the subway, yeah. You, the one basically it was uh right. right up there, yeah. And uh, you know, rode home and you know, got mugged twice, you know. And they took like For what kid- little money I had in my pocket, so they'd roll the kids, yes, exactly, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And one other time, I had a buddy, and this wasn't even like we're not talking like Nikes or Air Jordans, but yeah. they took his sneakers and they took his jacket and just you know, shit like that. That's a nightmare, yeah. But, but it I was, mean, but by the way, that was. It was sort of normalizing in sure, its own sure. weird yeah, way. Like, yeah, it, yeah, like in,
0: it's only, New York's the only place where that's not traumatized. Right. No, I feel like there's I'm a rite of passage.
1: My crazy father at some point had some kind of a BB gun pulled on him. Yeah. On like like on like I think like seventieth yeah. by this like uh, school park that was there. There's a there's a playground. Now it's it's a great, but yeah. it used to be like a troublesome spot. Yeah. And they pulled a BB gun on him, and he told us the story where he just basically went, "Get that out of my face," and just pushed it to the side <laughs> and <laughs> kept going going and they just let him be because it wasn't worth it and that that's that's the new york that doesn't exist anymore but i that's us yeah
0: yeah it's very funny there are still like it is interesting i go back there but there are still true new yorkers around i don't know if they live in the city anymore or what but apparently your folks still do they're there that generation of people is still around
1: and there are people in that building yeah you know because it's you know non-evict yeah yeah. Oh, yeah.
0: So it's yeah. rent control. Or now rent it's statewide? like a,
1: now it's like it's it's become a condo. Yeah. But my folks are still like sure. renting, and it's like they're there's paying. There's somebody waiting. for them yeah, oh, They get every month like the owners yeah. send them a letter yeah, we'll offering them out. more money yeah. to leave. But it's like one, where are they going? Yeah. They're not. You know, they, there's nowhere else in New York they could go. Mm-hmm. I, I love them, but I yeah. don't want them coming out yeah, here. Sure. So it's like you <laughs> yeah. know, whatever. And it is what it is. Yeah. But they have they have a three-bedroom apartment yeah. and a parking spot <laughs> yeah. for yeah. less than yeah.
0: uh, like eight hundred uh, bucks.
1: Yeah, it's like it's like crazy. Yeah, yeah. like less than anybody's paying for sure. anything on yeah, earth.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's so nice that they have those laws to protect us. <laughs> <them>. Yes. <laughs> so when did when do you start? Uh, were you aware of uh, SNL when it started?
1: Yeah, I mean, not probably when I when it started started. Like I have yeah, I have those vague memories of like you know Belushi doing the samurai and right? stuff like that. Yeah, what I do remember. This is going to sound very, very weird sideways in. My elementary school used to have these, like, book fairs. Yeah. And in, like, 76 or 77, they published the SNL script book. Yeah, I remember that. with had, yeah. had Franco on the A cover. Franco on the cover. I have that book. And I I bought that book at yeah. the book fair. Yeah. And that, I, that was when I started. I became, I didn't, I'm not even sure I 100% knew what I was buying. But you saw what scripts look like. Yes, saw what scripts looked like, saw, more importantly than that, the, the handwritten notes on the yeah. scripts and the crossouts yeah. and stuff. And I definitely, I want to be really, uh, sorry, this sounds silly. I want to be clear about this. Yeah. Um, I don't think I was ever thinking like, I'm going to be a writer. There's sure. nothing like that. But I was fascinated by entertainment, comedy, yeah. and process. Well, yeah, I mean, yeah. I definitely, I definitely yeah. had that same experience with that book. I mean, I, I still have my copy. I have my copy. It's sitting in my parents' bookshelf in my old room that, by the way, looks like I died in a boating accident in ordinary yeah. people. And it's like a shrine to me. Yeah. It looks like I died and it's a shrine. Yeah. <laughs> God forbid yeah.
0: it becomes that. <laughs> but, yeah. No, I, I that's interesting that they. it's a pristine environment, the old room. Yeah. Why don't you go get your shit?
1: I got most of the shit, and when you open the closets and stuff, it's their shit. But yeah. the stuff on the walls yeah. and the bookshelves yeah. it looks like my room. It's like uh, yeah. <laughs>
0: it's like when uh, Albert Brooks in that movie Mother. Yes. When he- <laughs> <laughs> when he goes in and gets all his stuff out of the
1: closet yep. and puts it back up puts there. Puts it back, yeah. I don't have to put it back. It's oh, just there. That yeah. was,
0: you know, that movie on paper was tremendous, I bet.
1: There are scenes yeah. in there. That yeah. I st- there's that grocery scene early yeah. on where they're in and keep bumping into the, her friends and whatever. There, There right. are moments in there.
0: But yeah, I thought the moment of discovery that she had another because that's an interesting moment for for any kid to realize that their parents had a life before them, had a life, and maybe and did
1: things and didn't change their paths and stuff. Yeah, and,
0: and, or disappointment. Yes, and I thought that was a a kind of an amazing part of that movie. I, I think I, as funny as he is, I think he might have been too old for that part.
1: Oh, that's interesting. I never thought about that
0: because she was great. She was, and incredible. he was yeah. like a, a little. You know, he's he's him. Yeah, and, I, and it, you know, it was written for him and by him. But I
1: don't know if he wasn't too old for that one. I wonder. This is going to sound strange. Is obviously he's always him, right? Yeah, he's always him. But like that was almost one where a little bit of the him, the usual shtick mm-hmm. about his cars and all of the right. drive, you right. know, whatever, almost ever so slightly got in the way of the really interesting premise. Well, uh, yeah, I, he was
0: supposed to be a sci-fi
1: writer. Yeah, yeah right. And he, except it never quite. Right, in, because yes. he can't get out of his shtick. Right, but yeah. it, and the shtick works in all the other sure. ones. One. Yeah,
0: no, I, I yeah. agree. But, you know, but it, like when I think of that movie. But anyway, getting back to Sorry, that, yeah. that. Oh, no, it was me. It <laughs> uh, doesn't matter. Uh, getting back to that, that book. I'm trying to remember now why I was so fascinated with it. Because I was a huge fan of the show when I was a kid. And there was something about any sort of way into that show.
1: Well, there was two things. One was the lateness of it. And uh-huh. the, the, and my parents were the gatekeepers in a way. Right, and they let so me. So they occasionally right. let me see it, but not all the time. Right. So it, it was It wasn't a, a school night. It was a, it wasn't a school night, was, How old are you, 58? Uh, no, I'm I'm, uh, I'm, I'm Unfortunately, 59. no, 52 uh, going on three. I look like hell. Oh, well, that's yeah. right. I'm 59. <laughs> so you were really young. Yes, I was really young, so it was, you know, it was very forbidden fruit, and also very, like, special occasions. Like, I remember being at a friend's house away, and my parents were like, you can, you're allowed to watch it. So, like I said, that, that sort of Belushi cast, it was... Here and there, but yeah. I was also like, oh, my God, what is this
0: thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: And then my real true first cast was really like, you know, Eddie Murphy, where I watched every week. You right, know what I mean? Where right. week in, week You're out, in junior I was high watching. Yeah, what? exactly. So, or I guess even late late elementary school, because he was, what, 82? I don't know. Yeah, so, so I'm
0: 12. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I just, uh, I remember that it was, uh, that the, that original cast was a total obsession of mine. And that book, like, seeing that there was this whole other world behind It was that I think that's what it is, is you don't really realize that when you're a kid. And then when you realize it. It's like it's all over the world. I wasn't thinking
1: about being a sure, writer or right. or any of that stuff. What were you? But thinking I just about I have no idea. I think I was gonna be a lawyer or something. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Upper West Side kid. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, my I'm to this day the great disappointment with my folks, it sounds like a terrible thing. Do they understand cliche. how much no, money you they, make? They don't understand anything. <laughs> I'll tell you two things.
0: <laughs> it's a, their their sense of status is interfering with the, the, the reality that you're making a living.
1: It but even the living they don't un- like. I remember being at SNL and under contract, yeah. and I think my first year went well or my yeah. second year went well. I don't know whatever it was, and I w- my agent was like, "We're going to renegotiate," and I ex- tried to say to my father, "They're renegotiating yeah. my contract," right. and he was like, "I don't understand. Yeah. You have a contract," yeah. and, and I just was like, <laughs> I, "I under I know, but yeah, <laughs> I, yeah, but uh, on uh we were shooting so in New weird. York uh, on Veep, uh, yeah." we were shooting like basically two weeks and my mom came to the set for the first time. Yeah. And it was a scene like at a front door, Selena went in with, you know, like Julia went in with like Tony Hale, whatever. And we did it like, you know, like a normal thing. We did it like, you know, six times. And as we did it, you know, as always, I was making changes to it. You know, we did it like two times. I made some changes. We changed some timing, changed the line, kind of locked it in. It was good, whatever, whatever. And my mother, when it was all said and done was just like, uh, I had no idea you did it that many times and you make changes. And by the way, this was like six years ago. I had already been doing it for a very long time. Yeah. 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 Uh, well, how would they know? Yeah. I mean, they would come to like SNL. Right. My mother was a huge Alec Baldwin fan. So always came whenever he hosted. Mm-hmm. She loved that. Mm-hmm. And I guess what I was, I was, the here was the good news. I always had a job. I know that sounds silly, yeah. but I so I never was a comedy writer going, "Hey mom and dad, I'm working on scripts and yeah. I'm hoping to move to LA yeah. and whatever." Yeah. I graduated from college with a job. That job led to SNL. SNL led to Seinfeld. I was never in those early years unemployed. Yeah. And so even as confused as they were, they never had never anything asked them to, for money, never asked them for money and never, compl- they, and there was nothing they could complain about because it was just,
0: here's another job. Right. But they yeah. still, they still, and sometimes when they don't know the show you're working on,
1: I mean, you were work on big shows. They knew the shows. They yeah. knew the shows. That's good. Yeah. I mean, my, you know, I had like a, I had great, you know, grandparents at the time who are now like, long gone um, New Yorkers yeah New Yorkers yeah, yeah. Uh, 72nd and uh, yeah. Central Park West next to the uh next to the Dakota and their uh-huh. take on John Lennon's assassination, uh basically yeah. being you know sh- yeah, killed, sh- right or whatever, there was there was just a lot of noise that was just a very noisy <laughs> oh, uh no. just not really uh, worth it yeah. yeah so um but you know they wore their Seinfeld hats with uh like a badge of honor to tell anyone and everyone that <laughs> their <laughs> their grandson was working on oh, you know nice. Seinfeld yeah so <laughs> how
0: did you you, like where did you go to school that you got a job right out of school? Okay, here we go. Uh, Harvard, Harvard Lampoon. <laughs> <laughs> what,
1: are you familiar with my? I, I, I'm, let's say I'm familiar with your work and, a, uh-huh. and your show and whatever. So go for it. Well, no, whatever I got, like. no, yeah,
0: <laughs> I got, I got, I got nothing. I mean, like you know, it, it, it. But there is some sort of element of, I don't know. It's not. It's not. It, it wouldn't be. It would. Uh, it, 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 there is an element of uh, the aristocracy yes, uh, and, and the nature of uh, brotherhoods or, or fraternal orders of comedy that include women, whereas, you know, people from Harvard and move through that system, you know, call people from that system when they get out of school. And those people, you know, say, yeah, come work here.
1: I don't look. I, I never called anybody, but obviously there were advantages to it. I don't yeah. know what else to say. No, I, yeah, I, I mean I yeah. get it, but it's. <laughs> well, what was the process for you? <laughs> the process for me, which was sort of different, was. But again, there are certainly advantages. Was yeah. Um, look, I was by the time I got to college. I didn't know I didn't know what the Harvard Lampoon was, but at that point I was very comedy obsessed. I knew what the National Lampoon was, but I hadn't put it together. I didn't, yeah, so I didn't, wait, you didn't understand so it. So your
0: yeah. obsession with comedy started in junior
1: high. Yeah, exactly. So that with first, SNL, that, SNL, that first script book leads yeah. to the Hill and Weingard backstage history of yeah. Saturday Night Live, which I devoured and memorized. Yeah, yeah. and then my mom's old comedy albums. You know, so like I had what? like Vaughn Meter, First Family. Wow. That's not uh, even a great one. Is no, no, okay. no, uh, not hers, but someone in, you know, turned me on in, in, again, in junior high handed me like, you know, Woody Allen, stand up comic that album tape is yeah, great. Incredible. incredible. That's the, yeah. Steve, hold, um, right, yeah. I'll put Mr. Allen on the phone <laughs> <laughs> and I wouldn't drink vodka. Yeah. It, you know, I wouldn't drink it, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I was, you know, very obsessed with that. Like I said, my mom had these comedy albums. She was a fan, um, and she loved movies and tv yeah. so she was the one that would take me to like ah uh, there was that revival theater on 68th and broadway yeah that like so she was the one that was taking me to like hitchcock revivals right, and all sure, that kind of yeah. stuff so i was just into movies and television yeah, that's, yeah. Again,
0: again that th- that the 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 existence of those revival houses um you know is really gone Completely gone. I mean, obviously, we have a couple of theaters here, Here, but it's just not the same. Well, yeah, yeah, not the same as like, you know... Well, I mean, Tarantino's place is doing a a relatively... You know, a new double feature every night. Yes. But, you know, it's curated through him, so you're going to get that. But like, yeah, those theaters where it was just... You know, every week, every day, it was different movies.
1: And there was something fascinating, and I, this is such an odd thing, because obviously you want Tarantino's theater to have success yeah. so that he keeps it open, right? But there was something to be said for the fact that when you went to those New York theaters, they were always empty, or like yeah. there'd be like seven yeah. people in well, there, which going is not a, day. yeah, which is not a great business, But, right. but it was, but great. it seemed like a great business. I yeah. looked, man.
0: I went to see the in-laws the other night at Tarantino's oh. theater, and it was packed. Oh wow! And it, there was a lot of people that had never seen it before, so there were all these fresh. I laughs. love that. I love that. Oh, it's great. Yeah. It's such a funny fucking movie. Oh yeah. How can Now is it Now can they not do that again or is it just because I have some deep nostalgia for those particular actors? Yeah, I mean you're a guy that generates all this comedy and you generate good comedy, but like you watch Falk and and uh, Arkin together And it's a ridiculous comedy, but, you know, it's deeply funny. And there's some part of me that goes, like, they don't make them like that anymore. They
1: don't. They don't. What is it that they don't do? I don't think they're interested. First of all, they're not even interested. I mean, they're, like, two, like, older guys. Like, they're not even interested. I feel like they're, they're, like, even if they made a comedy, Uh they're not interested in... Two guys in their forties. Well, when they yeah. do try to do it, like the remake, they kind of ruined it. They somehow. ruined it. They ruined it. And it's a weird thing because that movie, the original one, yeah, there are parts of it that are huge. Yeah, like all broad that stuff comedy, about the, yeah, broad, like yeah. the titsy flies and the the well, that, general. Well, that, the, he's, yeah, the, the no, general, he's doing yes. it on purpose, but the general is very big. Yeah, for yeah. sure, that
0: whole thing but down there hilarious. Yeah,
1: and it well, it, that, that's yeah.
0: because of libertini Yeah, but it's I mean, works. Like, yeah. Of course, but like, but I, th- that's a testament to that performer. But
1: I'm almost saying, like, I feel like if you tried to put that in a script, they would stop you. Mm. Like, just the the tonal—not that it's a full tonal shift, but it, it all of a sudden— again, But there was some of that in your movie, in The Dictator. We tried, but again, it, I'm not sure that—that that didn't land the way that yeah. that, that landed. <laughs>
0: yeah, and I guess there was something—there was something very specific about Libertini's craziness, you know? With the, the velvet paintings. Kindness to the, it, yeah. yeah. The velvet paintings. I mean, come yeah. on, dude. Like <laughs> that was
1: crazy, and the way Arkin is forced to constantly be complimenting it is just so wonderful. <laughs> and he shows him the yeah. flag, the new flag, dude. That was crazy. Was it very striking? General. There's two very million. Yeah. There's
0: two million. There's another twenty. There's another ten million.
1: I, for whatever mm. reason, I'm always obsessed with Billy and Bing, the two pilots, the two Chinese pilots, the they'd have been huge if we the had, best. Kang Chiang Kai-shek had ever gotten back to the mainland. Yeah, It's like that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah I don't
0: even know who wrote yeah. that. I, Hiller directed uh, no, it's, it. It's right?
1: uh Hiller directed it. Is that an early Andrew Bergman? I want, yeah, to, I say so. yeah, I want yeah, to say it is. I want to say it is. Yeah. 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 yeah.
0: yeah. But, uh, but getting back to those yeah. revival houses, so your grandmother's taking you. My mom's taking you. Your mom's, My mom's taking me, taking yeah. me. Yeah. yeah.
1: And so that, it's all of that, it's SNL, yeah. and, and then the biggie also, it's Letterman. Course, I'm, I, right. I don't have a bed. I don't have a bedtime. Yeah. And so I'm watching the 1230 show. I'm I, I, I'm watching Carson and I hate to say often not watching Carson. Sure. I'm watching The Odd Couple and I'm watching The Honeymooners or yeah. sometimes sure. MASH yeah. instead of Carson. And then I'm putting on Letterman. Right. And the sketches early on were great. Just obsessed with it on yeah. a level of, right. you know, would write for tickets and all of that Did kind of stuff. I went. Twice, and I don't know if you remember. They used to have, you know, they do the bumpers. Yeah. and At some point or another, they made these like late night with David Letterman, like kind of collegiate looking jackets. Like, like, oh, like yeah, 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 yeah. I remember uh, that was my like when I was a kid. I was like, I want one of those jackets. Like, not yeah again, Not I want to work there. Just sure. I just that I was like my obsession sure, was. Yeah. Can I get one of these jackets? Never got it. You never got yeah, jacket. Yeah, never got a jacket. Yeah. So
0: you're taking all that shit in. Oh yeah. Seeing the old movie, but this is the kind of thing that was available to us. It was there, and it wasn't. I mean, look. I guess it's available
1: on the line. Yeah, it's, I know, but, but there's it's something. Different. Yeah, there's
0: something about being brought. There's something to have the experience when, when, when you, when, be, when, there was only three networks and you were in on something. You know, you felt like you know, like um, you know, there's not
1: everybody. And watching again, this. with Letterman, it was a choice to stay up late. I mean, my my school bus picked yeah. me up at seven thirty a.m. Yeah. So yeah. you know, I'm going to sleep at one thirty because I'm staying up for Letterman. Yeah, but. I you know you got into it and you would rem, you know you'd know like oh my God Bill Murray's coming yeah, on yeah, and he's going to do everybody. something yeah, yeah exactly and also a lot of those comics that I don't even remember all their names but those guys that you know Letterman loved that he would he have knew, on. like Larry yeah.
0: Miller and yeah. uh, Jay early on oh yeah exactly course, Richard yeah.
1: Lewis, Lewis coming all doing the, time. the panel and yeah. like you know and again I, and I was got into stand I mean Gary I, I, Mule dear. I didn't do stand up but I got I was into it so like I saw Richard Lewis at mm-hmm. Carnegie Hall like I. I was a. Oh, you went down there. Oh, yeah. I, I was a paying customer. How yeah. was that? Oh, so Would you go with your mom? No, went with my uh, my buddy. When uh, was this? Uh, when you were in 88, high school? 87, something like high that. School? I think. Yeah. So end of high school. Oh, yeah. how was he? Incredible. It's like he. I think because you know uh, later on, yeah. I got to tell him, you know, I saw you there, yeah. and I think he thinks of it as one of his truly. I think he considers it one of his... Because it was important for him to be there. Well, it was Carnegie Hall, yeah, obviously. Right. But also, I think he knows how good he was that night. Okay, oh, Yeah, yeah. Because I yeah. fucking
0: blew it at Carnegie Hall. Did you really? Well, I didn't bomb, but it was, you know... I could have been a little tighter. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, all right, so you're yeah. you're you're obsessed with comedy. So, I'm obsessed with comedy. I get to Harvard. Yeah. Just to take you back. I get to Harvard, and all of a sudden, like, literally freshman, I'm like, there's the, this Harvard Lampoon thing. All Which you the- knew the history of a little bit but not really you not- knew but you knew like what i knew which is
0: like that's not National Lampoon, but the guys were there most of them.
1: I'm not even sure I fully knew that. Oh. I think I almost learned that when I got there. I yeah. put two and two together. Yeah. Like I knew there was National Lampoon, yeah. and then I went, oh, I see, there's this guy, Doug Kenny, and I right. knew the Doug Kenny name, sure. and then I put it together. And so instantly, I'm and like, an I got to get, yeah, exactly. So yeah. I got to get into, I want to be in that thing. And again, in that building. I'm not, we're not talking about I want to be a comedy writer because I'm going to be a doctor But or then Lampoon was a club. It's, it's Kinda. you know, part club, part magazine. Yeah. I was definitely, as they say, more on the magazine side yeah. than the club side. Yeah. yeah, You know, it's a strange building that's filled with sort of, you know, people like me that are somewhat on the spectrum, right? Yeah. The comedy. Yeah. And then there are people there that are there for the club part. Of yeah. It. I mean, I, they gave me mix. the honorary whatever. Oh, cool. Okay. But
0: like I you know, I don't drink. Right. And there's just these kids who are like, yes. you know, I'm gonna go through these rituals and it felt like I felt bad because I you know, I played along, but I, I don't know that right. I was like, What are you kids doing? Right. Yeah, like they like all of a sudden the age difference becomes a big yeah. thing. It's like, Oh my god, you you're children. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah. So all right, so you're writing. So I go there, I get in, I'm I'm and it, by the way, it takes me a little to get in. I don't get in. But it's not like I did it the what you have you, to submit? You submit, like, uh, basically the three pieces of writing, and then you get to the second round and another three pieces. And It yeah. took me a couple of times, yeah. I was figuring shit out. I yeah, mean, I'll be honest, right? And I can, I still have all my stuff. I can, I know my bad stuff, yeah, and I know my good stuff. Yeah. You know, like, it got better. Um, but I got in, and that's, and then that became my college. Like, I didn't go to, cl- I stopped going to class, yeah, stop going to classes. I was just there, I was writing as much as I could, yeah, um. Summer between my junior and senior year, the Lampoon did a project with Comedy Central called MTV Give Me Back My Life. It was a fake 10th anniversary documentary and a bunch of Of MTV. Of MTV on Comedy Central that they promised us MTV was going to cooperate with, and they did not. (laughs) Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, nothing. Zero. They were sort of in the same family. Yeah, it was the same family. building, Viacom yeah. family, synergy, but yeah. just zero. No, just really. nothing. Yeah. Huh. So um, but I we wrote it and then I went down to New York with it and kind of shepherded it through yeah. production yeah. with two other guys, Jeff Schaefer and Alec Berg, who later on became my writing partners. Um, and we kind of went down and we were beyond hooked i mean it was like this. Yeah. this is what i want to do with my yeah, life right and then i had to go back for senior year which was really weird yeah because i was you already got you yeah head in show business. they were done they were seniors they had graduated they basically came they moved to la and i had to go back to college so you met all these guys that you work with now I mean, I don't. We don't currently work together, but we worked together for many years. But yes, we met a lot at of the, the guys. Lamper. Yeah, we met at the Lamper. so that's how it yeah. goes. Whether yes. you are
0: shepherded in by right. older members or you just meet each other. Yes, and also like you know, you got to be fairly bright to get into Harvard. So I mean, they and but I think that I think my criticism wasn't uh, eventually outside of the kind of connectivity of uh, of the people who went there with the people who who are in there uh, is that. Um, they, there's an ambition that is taught that I don't know if it was as much. I think back in your day, it was assumed that if you were in Harvard that you would do what you needed to do. But I, I, it seems now that it
1: it definitely is infusing people with a type of ambition. I'll go one step further. And again, I, you know, I start to sound like the old man, like in my day, look, when I was there, I think, you know, look. I think the, the magazine itself, yeah. just to talk about the actual thing that I was supposed to be doing. Are you pre-Conan
0: or is Conan with you? He's before me. He's oh, earlier. Yeah. So, okay. And at
1: that point, he's like, uh, I don't even think he's, I think at that point he's at SNL. So The Simpsons hasn't yeah. quite started yet. Right. But when The Simpsons does start, that became everyone's goal. Like right. The Simpsons was like, that That's was it. the dream. Yeah. yeah. Um. But what I was going to say was, well, I guess two things. One was... Like I look at the magazine now, you know, that they put out. Yeah. They still put the magazine out. And it's when I look at it, I see lots of I always laugh and I tease them about it. I talk to the kids from time to time. And I say to them, it's all short dialogue pieces because they're they're trying to write scripts even in the magazine. And I constantly say, Stop doing that. It's a magazine. Yeah. Parody things. Do books. You know, I mean, I know this is gonna sound silly, but when my when I got into the lampoon, Saturize. yeah, my pieces, you know, I did a Tom Clancy parody. I yeah. mean, again, right. I'm not, I'm not sitting here going it was incredible. I'm just simply saying, I did a parody of a book at the time, as yeah. opposed to like basically trying to write sketches, to, yes, because I wasn't thinking about. I wasn't thinking about, I'm going to get in there and get a job. Yeah, and I yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. think, yeah, they do think like that. Yeah, yeah, What I will say, if I may, in yeah. defense of the organization sure. for one second, yeah. it is being in a writer's room before you're ever in a writer's room. Right. And coming out of that place, having had the shitty ideas beaten out of you yeah. and encouraging you, and again, sometimes in a bad way, because it definitely brings out the alpha comedy sure. in you. yeah. But the encouraging you to, and again, a bit of a cliche to, the to the idea that thinking outside the box, the idea that someone else isn't going to think about. Yeah. When you then do get into the real world, yeah. you are steps ahead. And that's the difference. It's not- And a collaborator. And, and getting used to collaboration, yeah. but also, let me go one step further, yeah. getting used to having people like, dump on your stuff and learning to take criticism where right. I have been on so many shows where young writers have never been criticized because they were the funniest kid yeah. and then they were the funniest this and now yeah. they're hired yeah. and no one ever told them this is garbage and
0: what happens when you do
1: that well some of them shatter and never work again and some of them learn you yeah know? but it's like it's a weird combination yeah. yeah but do some of them buckle Oh, and they, have to leave? they buckle and leave. Yeah. <laughs> on the first show, when I worked at Seinfeld, yeah. um, I got hired at, uh, along with two other guys. And one guy, it was his first gig. It was his first job. Yeah. And it, not because of the, the criticism yeah. thing. It just, it was his first job. And it didn't go well. <laughs> and he was let go. Yeah. And then he f- figured it all out. And he's gone on to an incredibly great career. And yeah. he's hilarious. Yeah. But- the problem wasn't his writing. Yeah. The problem at the time was just sort of like he'd never been around like other comedy people and stuff. Busting it was his yeah, balls. exactly. It was just yeah. like yeah, life. Yeah, 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 it was yeah. a it was a life experience. And the, like I said, the, that that when I look back now, that is what I think of as what the Lampoon's actual advantage was. Oh, okay. It was that like having sense. a job, yeah. Even though I wasn't technical, it, it's it's like you know, I don't know, like college ball or yeah, something. No, yeah. No, I get yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. So you get out of school and you go to SNL. Uh, I get out of school. I go back to Comedy Central that summer. We do Al Franken hosts Indecision ninety two, yeah. which is comedy and coverage where you of meet the Democratic. Frank-ing? I had met him the summer before on the he was a he was a what's the word he was a consultant yeah and so I'd met him during the MTV yeah. show and then he hired me on he and Billy Kimball hired yeah. me on for Indecision ninety two yeah. and that was again all those Comedy Central people like Mary Salter and I know you, yeah. you knew some of those yeah. folks and
0: he's so funny Al uh,
1: hilarious and that's what is that where you enter politics yeah. Yeah, mm. I mean, again, New York kid, you know, but you know, we had but one, sure, we had one I mean, party, yes, but, you but you that's know, that where I start to get into the the, the nitty gritty of you know? of writing political humor, of writing political humor, and of also, by the way, sometimes as simple as just by actually reading through, you know, like for example, like what these people are saying, and yeah. then and actually finding the humor in what they actually said, where yeah. you're not even. Not even really necessarily crafting a joke unto itself, but you're actually, you start reading the stuff. Yeah, Al's Al's good at that,
0: at sniffing out the simple things. Yes, like,
1: like, isn't that, don't those two things fight each other? I mean, that's, it was funny, when he was questioning, like, when he was on the Judiciary Committee, I was always laughing because I was like, this is like his old sort of stand-up, except it
0: wasn't. But so funny, always
1: funny. Yeah. He basically took me to SNL. Yeah. And... You know, I, I I look. I was a writer, but yeah. I learned to write with and from Al. Yeah. I mean, and we wrote some stuff that for I for indecision. Know, no, well, yes, on indecision, but it was when I really got to SNL. I mean, so that did, was his yeah.
0: second go at SNL, or he'd been there. He I can I don't know what his he, timeline is. You know, he'd
1: is. been there till like 1980, when yeah. I guess Lauren left the first yeah, right? time. Yeah, and then he'd come back in '85. Okay, and this was now '92. And he was there that long. Oh then. yeah, he was the second time around. He was there forever, but yeah. not the head writer. You know, there was no head writer at that point. Jim Downey was sort of the, yeah. I guess, producer head writer. Yeah. yeah. And I was there for three years, ninety two to ninety. Who were the cast? When I got there, the main cast yeah. was still uh, Dana, Phil kevin neal like yeah. those guys yeah. and then one by one they started leaving and yeah. at that point it was sort of the rise of sandler farley spade right. and schneider right so i was sort of there in that yeah. flex time yeah yeah so early on in 92 phil was doing uh like clinton yeah dana was doing ross perot and bush yeah and then by the end, those guys left and I, we had, tr- we had, you know, I remember we had trouble. We didn't have like, we didn't have a Clinton. We didn't, right. we didn't have was people there. doing, no, it was before Daryl. Yeah. So we, you know, it was like we, at some point, Michael McKeon ended up doing Clinton oh right when th- during that one year he was there. And this was when the, cl- the cast ballooned up to like 20 people yeah. and he added like and McKinney, Lauren's, Lauren's still there. Yeah. He added like McKinney, yeah. McKeon, Janine, Chris Elliott on yeah. top of everybody sure. was there. It was yeah. sort of a nightmare. And Sarah? that was it for me. Sarah, yeah. uh, David Tell, Jay Moore. I mean, it was yeah. big, Norm. Yeah. It was right. huge. Yeah, yeah. it was like 20, 20 people in the cast.
0: And and so what was that experience like? Wonderful and awful. Yeah.
1: <laughs> I mean, has anyone ever said anything different? I mean, it's the no, best job of, yeah. and the worst fucking job ever. No, I don't yeah. think
0: most people cop to it being the worst. Okay. Well. <laughs> <laughs> most people, especially on camera, people are very diplomatic about the, uh, the family. I loved and, every sure. second of yeah. it.
1: But you know, my first year, I walked around in fear. I yeah. mean, I, you know, I, 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 I've said this yeah. to him, yeah. you know, like to, learn, yeah. to Lauren. To it's like the first year I was there. My initial deal, you know, you're there yeah. like on a 13 week deal. Yeah. He did not speak to me during. He spoke to me once yeah. during those first 13 weeks, where he said something to me like, "Are you having a good time?" But yeah. he said it in a weird way, like I didn't say everything like, in a weird. I, way? I guess a little bit, yeah. but he said it to me like I felt like. Oh, am I, fu- I, like, I just felt like I'm, I'm, I'm fucking up and yeah. this is awful. And I don't know, sure. like, I, you know, lose, yeah. you know, and I, is, I, and I've got, you know, he was, he was yeah.
0: vague in his tone and he threw a wrench into the Jewish brain. Yeah. It just, That's and his, it's all I could <laughs> think about. It yeah. just kept me up at oh, night. I fucked yeah. up. I'm done.
1: And at the end of that season, at the end, at the final party, he said, see you next year. And I went and I like unclenched and yeah, I went, yeah. okay. Yeah. And then yeah. I felt like I was there. Yeah. But. You know, it was, it was miserable. It was long, the hours were crazy. We were, you know, sleeping there, you know, three nights a week. And there was always the politics of, yeah. you know, you'd kill yourself and yeah. someone wouldn't be there, but they were working on a movie for Lorne and yeah. then they would pop in. And yeah. and I did a lot of scut work and I was happy to do it. What kind of work? Like scut work, like, like like you know, the crap. Like I did yeah. stuff no one wanted to do. So yeah. I was writing monologues yeah. week after week after week. Yeah. No one wants to do that. Because no you're, you're up there with people that often, like I'm not talking about like I was writing it for stand-ups, yeah. I, you know, it's like sure, no. Nicole Kidman yeah. freaked out about doing comedy and convincing her she's going to come running in and do the risky business Tom Cruise opening. You know what I mean? Like, shit like that. Yeah. Where there's no, there's not a great upside to it. Sure. It's very, there's like four monologues. Like, let's not count stand-ups. Like, let's not count, like, Chappelle going on and doing his stand Well, that wasn't totally the... Right. That was, that was rare. Yes. What I was, but I was going to say, is in the history of monologue monologues, there's like two or three that maybe a diehard fan like remembers as sure. these are great. Right. Most of the time it's just nothing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's not You just want to get them in. You want to get them in, humanize them, make them comfortable. In some ways, it's it's as much for the host to get them used to the audience and let them make the connection as it is for the audience to go the other way.
0: And the live event. Yes,
1: and get them into it and then excited. But it's very rare that anyone thinks the monologue was so great. Sure. sure. But uh, so you you were there for three years three years which I, you know it's like SNL dog years I mean that's where I went started going gray basically right and by the end of it, I was going to those after parties yeah. I was going to the after after party yeah I was very aware that I was drinking I, yeah. I mean I, not, not not we weren't we're not talking about like like a problem right but it felt like I remember being aware like why am I going to a party and drinking? S- as someone who didn't even drink, I had one drink in high school, yeah. got to college, yeah. was never a big drinker, yeah. and yet all of a sudden now, yeah. like, I'm like, this is not good. Right. This, <laughs> yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, you, you're aware yeah. of well, yourself. you were probably hanging out with some real players. Well, some yeah. wonderful degenerates. Yeah, I yeah, mean, sure. you know, we were playing like blackjack at some weird after-after-hours blackjack club near Bloomingdale's yeah. with Norm McDonald, But like... And it was fun, yeah, yeah. but (laughs) you know what I mean? Sure. You realize like that this might shorten my life. Yeah. And let me go one. uh, And then I would go home. I get home at like, you know, five in the morning.
0: But you're not married yet. No, I'm not married. I'm actually,
1: this is very embarrassing. I'm actually still living. I was living at my home still. I was living with my (laughs) folks. Um, So I get home at 5 a.m. It was like. It was like a weird, like Billy Wilder comedy yeah. where we shared an apartment and never saw each other. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Because like yeah. I'd come home at 5 a.m., I'd go to sleep. By the time I woke up, they yeah. were gone. Yeah. And then I would let, get up, get my day going and leave before they ever would get sure. home. It <laughs> yeah, was just yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I, but I had, you know, that. But what I was going to say was I would get home at like 5 a.m. I put a, I, I taped the show every Saturday. Sure. And I would, before I went to bed at yeah. whatever, 5 in the morning, yeah. I would watch the episode. Yeah. And unfortunately, especially in that last season, they, they, they weren't great. Yeah. They weren't good. Yeah. I, I don't know what to say. They yeah. just weren't good. And yeah. that was depressing. Especially it was depressing when we would leave the show thinking it was good because yeah. it's deceptive with the live audience sure, and whatnot. In, you know, yeah, and you're... it wasn't good. And I knew it wasn't great. And it was, yeah. it was, that sucked. That feeling just yeah. fucking sucked. Yeah. And I don't know, it was making me crazy. I don't know what else to say. And at the time, they were, you know, beginning to give me things. You know, I was getting, like, I produced a special. You know, little Mm. things that they, like, I did, like, you know, I got to be the producer on, like, a Mother's Day special. Uh So, you know, they, my, my, what's the word I'm looking for? My role was being recognized. But I was not. Happy. Right. And I, I, and I learned a tremendous amount. I, got, I mean, I got to learn from Al and from Jim Downey. Yeah. And I, I mean- to And also for writing for people. Oh, yes, absolutely. And I'll go, the other thing about SNL that people yeah. don't talk about, you are like the mini producer, director, showrunner of your sketch, whatever yeah. you want to call it. Sure. So coming out of SNL and going to LA to work on sitcoms, I knew how to talk to a director. I knew yeah. how to talk to an actor. I yeah. knew how to edit. I yeah. mean, I learned all these things at yeah. SNL that the average, whatever they call them, like baby writer, right. staff writer, right. has no idea. Sure. And by the way, you might work on a show for five years and never go in the edit room. Right. But I was I was doing my own edits at yeah. three in the morning. Right. You know, so, sure. yeah. It was just like, like, so I wouldn't change a goddamn thing about it, but I was definitely not happy by the end of it. So, yeah. yeah.
0: Well, it's interesting that, you, you know, that coming out of up and then and I've talked about this before that, that you know your experience you know gave you this full spectrum of, of work experience. Uh, and also like people who come out of sketch uh, learn how to write and collaborate yeah. and direct. Yeah, you know, that's another thing. That... Because
1: you you almost can't not pick it up. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, what you just come to LA?
0: This is the first time you leave your parents' house. Is after three years at SNL? It
1: is. But it, you know, I. But again, you know, why my parents never had a nervous breakdown? Basically, I was putting together. I'll back it up a little bit. I was coming out to L.A. on the breaks. You know, the SNL would do like yeah. two shows and have two weeks off. Yeah. So I was coming out to L.A. Yeah. And I was hanging out at the Seinfeld offices because- Because you knew who? Uh, Schaefer and Berg, who I had mentioned oh, before. Oh, yeah, yeah. They're now writers at Seinfeld. What season? Towards this the end? is season six. Out of- 9. Okay. So Larry's still there. Yeah. So I'm going I'm staying at their place and I'm basically going to work with them every morning because by the Just way, to hang I, around. well also I don't drive. Yeah. I'm a real New Yorker. I don't oh, drive. Wow. I'm a new I drive, I drive now. I drive now.
0: I drive now. Yeah. 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 I saw that. But I saw yes, you no, drive I really
1: off. do drive, yeah, but okay. I did not get my driver's license till 95 when I moved out here. Yeah. 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 Um I used to have a non-driver's ID, a New York yeah. State non-driver's ID. Yeah. And a passport. Yeah. Um which was really really impressive. Um so I Used to just come out, I would go to work with them yeah. and I would have breakfast and lunch with all the Seinfeld folks. And I was like the special guest and yeah. everybody there had worked at SNL or been around SNL at some point. So I would tell amusing stories about, you know, sure, Lauren and sure. stuff and yeah, yeah, yeah. everyone do their impressions and well, all this that kind of club. shit. Yeah, a little bit of the club, but yeah. not a, not a, not a lampoon club, right. different club, different right. club. Yeah. Um, and a uh, couple lampoon, no, couple of lampoon, but okay. it was funny. Larry had no idea, which is a funny thing about he had had Gamel and Pross were there, yeah, and he had no idea that they were in the lampoon, yeah. and Schaefer and Berg were in the lampoon, yeah. but he had no idea yeah. about that either. Interesting, yeah, yeah. And when he hired me, I don't think he knew I knew them, but he didn't necessarily, I, you know, that it was like this other for him. What was he, why did yeah. he hire you? Um, well, I honestly, I think I was a, a, a Yankee fan from New York, and yeah. I just seemed like pretty, like. Yeah, he like, just like, and, like, he liked me. Yeah. Because the honest answer, and I think this is an okay thing to tell, Um, so I was putting ideas together because there was this moment, actually, where Larry was not even going to come back to the show. Yeah. There was a moment where he was renegotiating. Yeah. So I was working on ideas, and then at the final show of that 95 season, he came to New York, and he said to me, "Send me some ideas." I re, you know, I resigned. I'm going to go back to the show. Yeah. Send me some ideas. And he was going off to Europe. And then about two weeks later, he came back from Europe and he called and he goes, "I want to hire you." And I go, "But I didn't send you any ideas yet." He goes, "It's okay." And then I moved out to L.A. and I got out here and I was putting together my pitch for yeah. my first whatever and yeah. whatever I can't remember what I pitched. Story. But I, I pitched him something yeah. that was all, and I said, "Blah blah blah." And he goes, "Was that on your list?" And I went, Yeah. And he goes, I would have hired you. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. <laughs>
0: After he did our <laughs> Yeah.
1: <laughs> I'd already been working. <laughs> yeah. For about a month. Yeah. So but you got a
0: bunch of story credits, script credits on oh, that. Oh yeah, yeah. No. Yeah. I mean,
1: once I was there, I was, yeah, you know, yeah. I was there and I was like, you know, what do yeah. I to say? I was good at it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 But I but you know, it's funny. When
0: did Larry leave? After he eight? was
1: there for my first full year so he left after seven okay and then we did eight and nine without larry yeah of which i think eight's really good yeah nine is a little more hit and miss yeah yeah it was time it was time to end it
0: and then and then so now you have a relationship with larry yeah and and that kind of takes you to the next place
1: it does and it doesn't i mean it certainly does in this because he you know let's put you know, whatever, like Franken and Downey over yes, here for right. like early writing. Right. Larry teaches me how to write a sitcom. I mean, oh, there's, there's okay. no other way of saying it. He teaches me how to outline a sitcom. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, and I am outlining to this day the same way he yeah. taught me to do it. Which is how? How? Well, the first thing that happened, which I rem- I, I've i never forgotten, was yeah. I had an act one on yeah, the board. On the board, yeah. yeah. So you get your four stories approved. You get your, you know, your, your Jerry, you get four individual stories approved. And once you have them appro- all four approved, you you I put up my act one. And he came in and he took my act one and he just kind of turned it into two scenes. Like just stepped on the garbage can yeah, and yeah. shoved it all down. Right. And it was all there, but just mushed down into two scenes. So now imagine if you think about what my, all of a sudden what I thought my act break was is basically the end of scene two. (laughs) And whatever I thought I was heading towards as an end of a show is barely even the end of act one, Yeah, which just did two things, one, Every scene advances the plot. If the scenes are if the show if the scenes are not advancing the plot, it's not a scene. And yeah. if you have to move stuff in. So plot is always advancing. So yeah. that's number one. And then number two, by forcing what I thought the ending was yeah. into like the middle. You're just forced to explore these other areas yeah. that you perhaps would not have initially thought to explore, especially when you look at a regular sitcom right. where, you know, they're arguing about, I don't know, like taking out the trash for like, you know, 30 minutes, yeah. you know, whatever. Yeah. yeah.
0: yeah. So that was Larry's style.
1: That was Larry. That was Larry. Yeah. And then, you know. And how he ran the show, which is very much because he'd never worked at a sitcom, he'd yeah. never been in a, you know, right. whatever. There was no writer's room. Right, Individual writers got credit for the script that they wrote and pitched the ideas for. None of that, you pitched the idea, but it's his turn to write it. None none of that nonsense. But it's still groupthink on the fleshing out on the board? Not even that much of that. Occasionally, if there were issues, Larry and Jerry would call us in and say, hey, this isn't working. We're going to split some scenes up. Everyone write a scene or whatever. So there was some of that. But there was none of that sitting in a room. We would have conversations about right, stories, but right. never that that writer's assistant writing beats no, down. None of that. None of that group outlining, yeah. whatever. Now that right. changed when Larry left. There was definitely it became a Who came in? Nobody. We basically we all sort of just <laughs> rose up a little bit. Yeah. And so what would happen was Jerry would kind of have like two or three of us and the writer yeah. almost doing like a I guess like a mini room, right. I guess. So right. still not the crazy giant like sitcom shitty room, yeah. which I to this day, I don't care for. I think, look, rooms are great for punching stuff up. You can make something funnier sure. with a big group of like, right. really funny right. people. Right. But the notion of writing from scratch in a group room, which is how a lot of sitcoms sure. are written, yeah. I just find, I, I, I cannot stand it. and it's I think, exhausting. It's exhausting, but also, it's fake. You get these, like, joke-like substances, and yeah. you get these, like, room laughs that aren't yeah. real laughs, right. and then they all go into the show, yeah. and nothing, yeah. nothing is, nothing's real. Right. And obviously, Seinfeld is heightened, but yet there is reality sure, to it. Sure, you, you have defined
0: for. characters. Yes. That aren't uh, shallow. Yeah. Right. So, you know, you have to honor that. You know, these aren't just puppets. I mean, most sitcoms are puppet people.
1: Very puppet people who just say whatever they're saying because of whatever's now going on with the garbage or we're trying to get to the joke. Yes, exactly. So, but
0: like- you do a yeah. couple movies.
1: What happens is, so coming off of Seinfeld, yeah. we all sign these big development deals yeah. because we're all like, you yeah. know, we're Seinfeld like, yeah, writers. Seinfeld writers. Yeah. We all sign these development yeah. deals and they don't make any of our shows yeah. because they didn't actually want what we were yeah. had. You know, they they would, just wanted to hold on to you. Yeah, they would tell us what Seinfeld yeah, was, yeah, yeah. you know, shit yeah. like that. And so, but what happened at the time was, it was funny all of a sudden, start getting calls of from movie people who were initially looking for Punch Up, yeah. and then it went further where they were looking to take some of their comedies and they wanted them. We were looking for someone to, you know, make it funnier, like Seinfeld. Right. Sure. Yeah. A lot of punch-ups. Yeah. Up exactly. Yeah. So Jeff Alec and I started doing Punch Up together, like sort of I don't know, part time while we were trying this to do our TV stuff. Revision. Uncredited early on, and then eventually. I mean not credited but eventually credited yeah. but like you know but like you know paid real work you yeah, know, writers sure. guild real yeah. true work yeah um and then eventually we started getting an opportunity to pitch on things yeah. and you know and that all kind of whatever and it was this weird thing where we wanted to do television almost couldn't do television yeah and i ended up doing i was like i think i came in like second i managed to do I did an I did uh, a Clerks animated cartoon with Kevin Smith, mm-hmm. of which two episodes aired on ABC, and, and, I, and I'm the second most successful of the Seinfeld writer development deals that got <laughs> stuff on <laughs> yeah, air. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then but but eventually what. Uh, what was Eurotrip? Eurotrip is a teen comedy from uh, 2004 um, with nudity and er- like a yeah. real old school R rated yeah. comedy where we were doing all this punch up, we were doing a lot of this yeah. stuff, and we were also getting into this sort of situation, which was interesting, where they were sometimes bringing us in early on and then bringing us in in the editing, going, yeah. can you fix this in the edit room? Like, And I'm not even talking about we want to reshoot. I'm talking about, can you just look at what we have? And
0: put it together And we'd be in these situations, and yeah. we'd be
1: like, yeah, sure, where, wh- what's your coverage? Well, they decide to do it in a one-er. Well, then you, it's How unfixable, you, can fix it. you can't yeah. fix it. And once in a blue moon, we're like, wait a second, there's another scene in that set. Are there cutaways there? Yeah. Oh, my God, okay, let's steal those cutaways, and we would fix stuff. Yeah. But somewhere in there, we were like... We're, these comedy directors are awful like yeah. the, the like like the, the the comedy director seemed like a very low bar well, what what w- yeah. what were they when when you really break it down they given, weren't funny it's the end they just they didn't seem it wasn't funny a matter of themselves. pacing it was just they weren't funny people they were not funny people they hmm. did not seem to understand the joke ah. therefore they had trouble capturing the joke on the on camera literally sometimes you would just go this doesn't work, you know, again, like we we're talking about a cutaway. This doesn't yeah. work if you can't pace it up with a cutaway. Yeah. Or this doesn't work if I can't see that guy's face, if right? Because what's funny isn't what he's saying. What's funny is him reacting so, oh, so to it. No sense just of, no sense of what comedy yeah, was, yeah. no sense of how it worked. Yeah. And also sometimes just tonally wrong so that they were, oh man, is, did you get another performance where he's not so big and yeah, so yeah. sweaty and yeah. shit like that. And yeah, yeah. They just thought, you know, comedy was for them... Bleached out lighting and everyone yelling, and there was just a lot of that kind huh. of stuff. Right. And
0: So you guys decided. So to we do were just own. like,
1: we wanna, yeah. we wanna direct. Yeah. And what we realized was, no one is gonna let us direct yeah. because we've never directed, <laughs> right? Unless we basically write a script, a spec yeah. script, yeah. and sell it. And basically forced them to let us. So it was sort of, we wrote a spec script. There was a, you know, people wanted it. There was a bidding war. Yeah. And we more or less said, we don't care about the money. Yeah. We want to direct and we want a, what Who's, they call. you, you me, co-directed? Yeah, me, Schaefer, and Berg. The, yeah. same, the same three. You directed all three? You directed? We did, although only Jeff got the credit. The director's guild wouldn't give us the shared right. credit. So yeah. We picked out of a hat. But you were,
0: it was a learning thing.
1: Yes, it was fantastic. Yeah. I mean, it's awful and fantastic. And, you know, <laughs> I change almost every frame of it, and I love it at the same time. Yeah. What can I tell you? Yeah. But we definitely learned. Yeah. But you know, it was things like, I remember once—I kid you not—we. The three of us, and not in front of the crew or anything, just mm. amongst ourselves, we had a giant argument about a suitcase that one of the characters like knocked on a door with. Yeah, and all I can tell you in the final cut is you don't even see the suitcase. Yeah. we're above it. But you know what I mean? It was just <laughs> shit like that. You yeah. know what I mean? But nothing you, you yeah. can do to fix that. Yeah, yeah, you work it out yeah, later. Yeah, but yeah, you know, yeah. but it That's was. Funny. But we learned, and when sure. we came back from Eurotrip, when when Eurotrip was released, and you know, it was over in seven seconds. Yeah, you know, that morning they just told us like, "You're coming in fourth. You're coming in behind the." Th- Third week of Adam Sandler and Drew yeah. Barrymore, Welcome to Moose ports Beating You and yeah, this yeah. other thing too. Yeah. It was over. Yeah. And we literally could not get arrested. Like, yeah. no, like, like all of a sudden, like no one wanted, like they let us write, but certainly no one was thinking like you can direct again. Yeah. There yeah. was none of that. Yeah. And the honest answer was Larry was like Hey, I've got this office space over at curb and we're like, Hey, we could really use the office. And he's like, do you mind if I come in from now and then and run shit by you, which we were occasionally doing, like having lunch with him. And he was doing that once in a blue moon, the three of of us. And we were like, yeah, sure. That sounds great. And so I can't remember what season that was. It was the season, uh, I think where Larry ends up giving his kidney to, uh, Richard Lewis. Right. Um, see, I, I I've track of the season. That sounds right. And basically, we hung out in his offices. Yeah, we worked on our stuff. We were writing. Yeah. We were we, people were letting us write movies. Yeah, and we were trying to write things that we were hoping we would might get a chance to direct. Yeah, and Larry would knock on the door, and we would you know help stuff and whatever. So what was yeah? That, but with with and then but then he hired you. Well, we were. T- it was funny. We were just doing it. We were literally just doing it. It was just. But you're like, getting credit well no at the time no oh. and at the end of the year at some point hbo reached out and they were like hey yeah. you realize what you're doing yeah we want to you know we we want to make this official yeah. we were really touched yeah. we were like oh this is this is great yeah, sure. and they're like okay here you go and they paid us i want we did 10 episodes yeah they gave us each $1,000 a hundred an episode <laughs> yeah. and no credit it was just they wanted to make sure they legally owned what we had come up with uh, but you know what we were fine with it and larry yeah. finished uh larry finished like larry came in one day as only larry can and was just yeah. like it was like when we had 9 episodes yeah. and he was like uh, so uh, we're going to start production uh we need the offices you guys got to get out yeah. <laughs> and yeah it was just like okay <laughs> bye larry and we went off and we did some you know we we got our own offices and we were doing stuff and then a, about a year later, or whenever it was, two years later. Yeah. Forgive me. He was doing the next season. And Larry Charles, who had been another Seinfeld guy, sure. who had been directing and working with him on Curve, yeah. was going off to do- uh, You were I on think, Seinfeld with Charles? No, he yeah. had left the year yeah. before yeah, me, yeah. but we, he would show yeah, up from sure. time to time. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was going off to do Borat, I yeah. think. And so Larry then said, hey, do you guys wanna come back and be Larry Charles? And we said, can we direct? And he said, absolutely. And then we came back, sort of more. I yeah. don't know what the word is. Officially, the three, is. the three of us, and we started directing and writing the show with him. Now, what yeah. is the process of that? I don't know that I've ever talking about it
0: uh, with anybody specifically. So, was it mostly stories? In the,
1: in, before, before you ever get to the, you know, whatever it's all, it's pitching stories, you know, and we all used to, and this was the Seinfeld training, you know, I'm sure Sure. you did it too. We all walked around with that little pad of paper or, you know, in weird little scraps where you just write odd things yes. people said, or, yeah. oh my God, that guy yelled at me at the, at Best Buy, yeah, you know, yeah, good yeah. guys at the time. You Curb know, good guys, Yeah, exactly. Curb, Seinfeld-esque stuff. Yeah. And I've still got that shit. It's on my phone now. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I saw one yesterday. Sorry, I'll tell you this. I yeah. don't know why. But I like wrote it down. I was like, I wish I could call Larry, but I yeah. think they're done. Yeah. It was a guy, had a license plate. Yeah. Um, and he, I guess he was trying, it was r- retired. So it was like R-E-T, like, I R D D. Yeah. You know, all I could think of was, boy, if they didn't put that other I there and it looked like it was retarded, that would be the greatest license plate in the world. And I just you write that yeah, down. Yeah. I took a picture of it. I wrote it down. Yeah. And it's just like that. That's what. But well, that's used to interesting. That with, yeah.
0: that that's the nature of that specific style of Seinfeldian writing or Larry David writing is like you could run a whole episode through oh, a yeah. license plate. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And it's also and the great Curb and Seinfeld episodes. Yeah. They all start with real. Yeah, it's all stuff. My my best Seinfeld episode is yeah. an episode um, called "The Bizarro Jerry." Yeah, and in it, there's man hands. Jerry dates this woman with yeah. man hands. Yeah. That's my wife. Yeah. She doesn't have man hands. She has <laughs> farmy hands, yeah, she yeah. called them. But yeah. I changed it to man hands. She yeah. grew up on a farm. Yeah. She had, like, always had, like, rough sure. hands. Sure. We ter- I turned them into yeah. giant man hands played by, like, a you know, a key grip. You yeah. know, like, so you saw this beautiful woman yeah. and the hands were a crew guy. Yeah. Yeah. But, it, but every, all the great ones are real. And that yeah. includes the Larry stuff, you know, like the contest, which was him. And, yeah. the, you know, all the stuff from his life. But all our stuff, the great stuff, are just, yeah, real, real life. Moments. Yes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Moments, stories, people, things. Yeah. I think the yeah. last
0: season of Curb was all founded in in some pretty sordid stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> that really happened.
1: Yeah. I mean, but that's <laughs> what's insane and incredible. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So early on, you're just talking about ideas. Yeah. You know, and he's you know going through his pad and yeah. stuff, and you're also trying to figure out the theme, the overarching like what of the ten episodes, yeah. like what's going to happen. Right. And some of them were very natural, so that yeah. like when. When Larry had the 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 black song when we introduced the blacks and this yeah. idea that Cheryl was going to leave him which yeah. at the time was this answer to this huge question because you know people that don't like Curb or even people that like it are just always like how does she stay with him yeah. and it was sort of like well let's let's lean into that yeah. and so we went down that path and then that led to him going well now what if he wants to get her back and then that was the Seinfeld reunion year so sometimes the stories you know, one led to another, and then sometimes they were just, you know, these bigger ideas, like, the produ- again, the producers predates me, yeah. but that sort of was a standalone idea, yeah. you know? Right. So you're working about, you know, you're talking to him about these things, and sometimes, look, I am the first to admit this, sometimes we're just the... We're just the, the the wall. Yeah. We're just the wall. And he, yeah he gets it. to be yeah. he gets to bounce the ball off of us. Yeah. And that's cool. I'm yeah. fine being the wall. Yeah. And then sometimes we get to throw, you know, we yeah. throw stuff in. And then yeah. as you start going and you start working on the outline, because again, it's all outline, 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 yeah. you're trying to figure out like what could happen. You're looking for these connections. Yeah. And it's just us sitting with him and we're just talking it through, talking it through, talking it through. And it's just finding that outline that is you know, again, you know, you want that perfect everything colliding at the end. Right, but ultimately kind of you yeah.
0: got it also has to be, you know, you're dealing with improvising actors, right? Well,
1: that we're not even up to that. That's yeah. so right now this is just in the office. Yeah. And so when we have this outline that Larry basically basically it eventually just it goes through his hand Yeah, and he does it. Oftentimes the outline is the outline, but we've all got stuff that we remember joking about, yeah. but we didn't put in the outline, because we want the uh, the actors to have yeah. to have sort of that blank canvas. Yeah. So this and this is what is the incredible part, especially by the way, about directing. Yeah. Because you, with no offense to the other directors who have directed on the show that are not the writers of the show, but yeah. when we were the writer directors. It is the closest thing that I can, I can explain to you. It was like live rewriting. If you yeah. told me that it was just, we were rewriting and they were broadcasting. That is what it felt like. Yeah. Because you are directing, you are trying to move the camera to capture these moments. And at the same time, you are whispering things to actors. You are just try this. We're yeah. remembering things yeah. from the discussion. Sure. Hey, Larry, do you remember that? Yeah. Yeah. And then sometimes it's just shit that happens. So yeah. like we're shooting somewhere. We were shooting like in Malibu and Larry sees a dolphin yeah. and he goes, oh my God, a dolphin in the middle of the scene. Yeah. And there's no, you know, there's no, <laughs> you know, there's no, we were shooting once in a restaurant. I kid you not. Yeah. And while we were shooting in the restaurant, the guy behind us, the guy who worked yeah. there changed the, the, the letter, the, yeah. the cleanliness letter from an A to a B <laughs> while we we're sitting there shooting. And you just kind of go like, I, like, yeah, how does this, you know, yeah, how do you not? Yeah. You know what I mean? One time, uh, he and Garland <laughs> drank from each other. Like Larry yeah. drank both waters. Yeah. And then the entire scene, and I couldn't tell you what the scene was originally yeah. about, but the entire scene came about became about the information that needed to be delivered. Yeah. And the well, water. now we need more water, and that's the show. But it yeah. is like a live rewrite. Yeah. Right. It's a. It's a. It's a organic thing in. Uh, it's a. It, it grows as it, you're doing yes, it. Yes, it grows and you're just and as the director, you're running initially we had two cameras yeah. later on three, sometimes even four well, you get but you got, got one on yeah. Larry at yeah. all times. Right. I mean that's how I learned to direct really. Like, and I also already, there's yeah. a
0: sensibility around directing improvisation
1: is you kind of have to edit in your head. You're editing in your head, you're sort of thinking about it yeah. but especially on Curb, you are always thinking, you know, we were talking about that a little bit before yeah. with the bad directors, not Curb directors yeah. but bad comedy directors. Some Sometimes so much of the comedy is someone saying something and either a drift over to someone's reaction yeah. or the reaction itself that yeah. like watching Susie react to Larry is funnier than whatever it is Larry is saying sure. sometimes. Yeah. And so you're trying to figure that out. And like Larry Charles, you know, again, talking about what people taught me, Larry Charles, like laid it out really quickly. Yeah. You know, like this is how you direct curb. Yeah. Keep one camera on Larry all the time and then yeah. you'll figure out what the other camera does. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, <laughs> yeah, thank yeah. you, LC. I mean, yeah, that, yeah. I get it. Yeah. I get it here. But there were moments that were just... So, I remember one time we're shooting in New York. Um, we did a New York season or half a season in New York. Yeah, And I was on a truck with Larry Charles. We were towing a car. And basically, the whole storyline was there was something wrong with the front seat of Larry's car and when the the guy, the mechanic, Robert Smigel, didn't fix it um, because he was mad at Larry because Larry had fucked up in the softball game. It was a whole, you know, all these things. So, but basically the front seat, the passenger seat is vibrating so much that women are orgasming from the front (laughs) seat. And he ends up with Susie in his car who, and he tries to get her to sit in the back seat, but she won't because they got to get somewhere. And she gets in the front seat. And, you know, and of course she's just starting to whatever yeah, yeah. and he's getting, she's kind of coming, but he's, and he's getting horrified and upset. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, we did, you know, regular kind of the coverage thing. And yeah. then we started doing ones. And I remember just doing it with Larry Charles where we were, and we were, t- we talked about like, we had the camera guy. It wasn't even like, go, go, go. It was just, just, just move between the two of them as fast as you humanly can. Just, ah, 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 yeah, ah, yeah, yeah, ah, yeah. ah, 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 ah Ah, ah, ah. Yeah. And it's one of my like favorite things, but there's no <laughs> plan to that. Do sure. you know what I mean? It just sure. it, it is an organic it's, growth. Yeah, but it's, it's or, but it's organic writing, performance, and directing yeah. just all mushing together. Right, and that's and, why. And if you it get that, the best, yeah. yeah.
0: And if that happens, it's great. Yes. So let's let's get yeah. to uh. Well, I mean, you did you wrote a, a few movies. Mm-hmm. The Dictator was. Didn't get wasn't well received, but it was good in concept. It,
1: it's a, I mean, I think there's good stuff in there. Sure. We had, we had, it was a funny thing. We'd worked with Sasha. We yeah. actually had p- pitched on. Uh, we ended up coming in and helping uh, Larry Charles and Sasha yeah. with the ending to the yeah. original Borat. We yeah. actually pitched what yeah. became the Borat, and so then he was like, "Hey, I want you to pitch me some ideas." And we really liked the dictator idea. I don't know. It got it gets silly yeah. in places, and w- there were some higher, bigger democracy ideas that I think we. Shied away from in the editing. Not, what do you mean? Like I, I think there was, we there was a little bit more of an indictment, and it's in there a bit that a, that a foreign dictatorship and an, a, the American democ- democratic system were perhaps not as different as we like to think. Oh,
0: interesting. Yeah. And
1: also the fact that America and in this, I think in our movie we had like Russian gas or something or like sure. Gazprom and stuff were also supporting this crazy guy in that sort of, you know, FDR kind of, well, he's an asshole, but he's He's our our asshole. asshole, You know what I mean?
0: You think you could have hit that hard. I
1: think we could have hit some of that harder.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Especially given, you know, in what happened in retrospect. Yes. And then like on, on Veep, you,
1: you did the last two seasons? I did the last three seasons. So when Armando decided to go. What what did he say to you? It was interesting. You know, Armando's incredible. Yeah. it was really cool. He he, genuinely, seemed happy that the show was continuing yeah. and that they had gone out and recruited me for it, yeah. as opposed to I guess some schmuck. Yeah, and and that was the nicest thing in the world. And I we spoke on the phone. Yeah. I went out to London, met him, met a lot of his team. Yeah, we ended up going up to like. Uh, the Montreal comedy festival yeah. and sort of doing like a chat together. And this was before, like I, like I hadn't even really taken over. Yeah, I, yeah. I had the gig, but right. like, you know, no, we hadn't made a show yet. Mm-hmm. And he was just so, I don't know what to say. Like there were so many versions of this where he could have been such an asshole. Yeah. And he was so not just, not just that he was nothing. He yeah. was just so wonderful and complimentary. Yeah. And they're his babies. Yeah. And I was always aware of it. And I, I cannot tell you how many times I, in interviews, I always had to stop and just go, I didn't create the show. It was created by Armando Iannucci. I'm just the, I'm the, I get to bring it on home, but, yeah. you know, and it, it just, you know, that, and that was important to me, not, and it was important to me in general, but also how good he was to me and about it. So, so yeah. these are
0: well-established yeah. characters done by great comedic yes. actors now. And that was a totally scripted show.
1: Yes and no. Yeah. Um, we had the scripts and, you know, obviously same thing, a little bit like curb in the sense of the planning of the entire yeah. season, the, yeah. the, the, really sure. locked down, whatever I, 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 had scripts. I think when Armando did it, there were scripts, but there were definitely, they were, there was more improv. There yeah. just, there just was. And there were times where I think for, and again, I don't want to tell stories out of school where I think they had things where they weren't quite sure and they just tried stuff and yeah. they, ...improved rehearsals and yeah. then took scripts out of those sure. improv rehearsals. Yeah. That ain't me. I mean, I did a lot of that on Curb, but I like to have... And let me just go back to Curb for three seconds. If you took one of those Curb outlines that I was telling you about, because yeah. those are like a 12-page document, yeah. you could turn that into a script in under 24 hours. Yeah. That's how rock solid those right. outlines are. okay, So yeah. they are not... People, yeah, over the, the yeah, yeah. people over the years all tried to do curb. You know, they were yeah. all like, well, it's going to be curb in the music industry, curb yeah. here, curb there. And they were all garbage because it was like, they had no stories and they had no outline. Sure. It was just more like, we'll, we'll show up in the studio and yeah. we'll improv. It's yeah. like, no, it doesn't fucking work like yeah, that. Yeah. yeah. So with, with Veep, you know, a, a hardcore 10 episode plan, you know, of the season arc, arc that also, I always like knowing what my first scene is of the yeah. season. I like knowing what my last scene is of the season. And therefore, because I know what my last scene in my season is, I know what the first season, first scene of the next season is, yeah. which, you know, and so I'm always trying to think like that. Yeah. And there were hardcore scripts. Now, that being said, hardcore scripts, I have a killer just group of writers. And on the set, basically any moment that's not seeming like anything, what else do we have here? Any moment that feels like there's air, can we fill it? Yeah. You know, oh, well, let's get Sam to say something. He's yeah. standing right behind her. Yeah. Let's just throw that in. Let's not worry about what people hear or don't hear. Let's just fucking do yeah, it. load it up. And load it up unbelievably yeah. so. And then absolutely would sometimes in a scene... I don't want to say always like one for fun. But sometimes at the end, like we'd get into the coverage and I would just go stand behind the camera and just yell new lines out, throw stuff out. I would just say, say what you want, do what? And then they would say, you know, so we kept improv alive. right? But it was definitely more scripted.
0: Yeah, yes. 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 And you had to adjust to the Trump presidency.
1: Well, Trump presidency basically hits in season two. And we kind of Of get- Of your run. Of my run. Sorry, my run. I'm sorry, yes. So season- Uh, what is it? So it's five, six and seven, five, six and seven. So season six. And it's in, in our show, she had lost the presidency and was now former president of the United States, which I thought was, I was always very proud of that. I love the idea that you were doing a show about called Veep about a former president of the United States. Sorry, I just did. Um, but where I was going with it is the fact that she wasn't in office. We dodged a bullet because technically she was dealing even though she was plotting a comeback yeah. she we were dealing with presidential libraries yeah. and fundraising yeah. and might she get invited and be right. on the supreme court yeah, and all yeah. these kinds of things yeah. which thank god didn't mess and didn't bump up against Trump quite yeah. as much Sure, when we came back for then the fun, what we, we at the, that point we didn't uh, we eventually knew it was going to be the final season yeah and i And I I don't know if you can remember this moment. When you think about those four years of Trump, as bad as year one was, when he got to that State of the Union in year two, it's like he felt comfortable, and it really got a lot worse. Yeah. Yeah. And that kind of hit, and this is like a bad joke, but luckily, Julia got cancer, and we shut down. And I rewrote basically the final season. And really what I realized was what we had been planning was irrelevant in the world of Trump. And that final season is... It just is very Trump influenced Because of the,
0: what's his name running?
1: Well, if you, it's just, if you think about it, it's it's him running, but also her behavior as president, where, where, how she is willing to use the power of the office, you know, in the sort of, you know, again, Nixonian, if the president does it, it's not illegal. Right. And you have to, and when you think about what Veep was, if you were a fan of it, Hmm. so much of it was. She says the wrong thing and pays a price. Yeah. Well, all of a sudden there's a guy in the white house that doesn't seem like he's ever paying the price still. And a guy and the show was Yeah, still exactly. Yeah. And there was a show about somebody who talks one way in public, but privately is foul mouthed and whatever. Yeah. That's gone too. that, yep. that weird Chinese wall, that paper yeah. wall that's gone. He yeah. says what he wants. Yeah. So all of the, I hate to say the first, you know, Five six seasons of Veep. If you actually look at it, they seem like they're from the eighteen hundreds. It seems like <laughs> now, you know yeah, what I mean. Yeah. It seems like from a different time. Yeah. And so that final season, the behavior, the Ch- we got the Chinese involved, yeah. foreign powers, and right. what are what it be- what it really became about is what how much are you prepared to sell your soul to be present? Because right. look, I've always believed that if you decide to run for president, there's something wrong with you to begin with. There's something wrong with almost all politicians. Yeah. It's It's a weird thing. I can't figure it out. It's whatever that drives you to be that guy. What do you think
0: it is? I'm looking at this woman, the one from Arizona, Carrie. Carrie Lake, yeah. What is that?
1: Yeah. And by the way, and she... Also, I mean just look at the transformation. She went from like newswoman, yeah. th- these people that have gone hardcore. But it's like MAGA. it's, it's yeah. almost
0: like uh um that sort of power of positive thinking gone wrong. It's almost like that. That sort of that, you know, these new agey kind of Anthony Robbins yes, will that, to that power Yes, that weird shit.
1: smile it if I think it and I say it Enough, committing it will happen. It. Right. Yes, yeah. Like the promise or right. Some nonsense. Right, that's right. Yeah. That's right. But it's it, it's like it, but it is like pod people. It's like alien pod people. Yeah. And look I think a lot of the problem is Fox. I mean, I don't think these are original Fox, but it's that thing of there's no one that that you're doing it, but no longer is anyone, is there a system where anyone calls it on it? Because even if obviously the New York times, you know, my father was always like, aren't these people reading the op-ed in the New York times? No, No, no they're not dad, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that it's like, it's that desire of like fame and importance, but also some weird, like, almost Jesus-like belief that you are that important? I don't right. even know. But it's because yeah.
0: it's like, it's not even power. When you start to really look at what these, you know... Well, but I
1: think they think it's power. No,
0: I know, yeah. but, like, when you look at the, the short-term grifts that some of the Trumpian cabinet right. was doing, like, you know, they're they're bending all these rules for $8,000. It's like, what the fuck
1: is that? Well, it's when stupid people are criminals. I guess, yeah. 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 I mean, that's, you know, yeah. and by the way, I mean, not that we're looking for... I mean... Uh, Whenever you want to talk about it, but like Watergate, I mean, when stupid people are criminals. Well, no, this is a yeah, yeah, great yeah. thing because yeah. I watched
0: <laughs> I watched the new series. I watched all of them. Oh the my White gosh! Plumbers. Oh,
1: no one told me that. Oh, no, yeah, I watched oh, all of them. Fantastic! And it was
0: great. And it it,
1: it oh, was a very you.
0: interesting approach because I said to my producer, I said, "You know, he's really portraying these two as clowns." And
1: my producer goes, "They were clowns." Yes. <laughs> That's exactly it. <laughs> I, I've tried to explain this to people because, you know, obviously yeah. they put it up, you know, from the This whatever. is Gor- J. Gordon-Liddy and Howard Hunt. And, and Howard Hunt. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, they always are like, you know, from the whatever, from the people from Veep and whatever. Yeah. And I've tried to make it clear. We didn't write jokes. Yeah. No. We just told a story. Yes. That, that is fucking stupid in yeah. parts. <laughs> it's kind of yeah.
0: great. Well, I love those guys. You know, I think Harrelson and, uh, and, and Thoreau did- you know, a great job. Everybody, the supporting cast, it was a it was all very funny. Um and it was all based on truth. Yeah. And and you just uh but there's a sort of the under the under the underlying story, you know, outside of Watergate was that, you know Hunt was involved with the JFK assassination.
1: It's basically, look, he was this CIA operative. Yeah. He was there for Bay of Pigs. Yeah. It was involved. Yeah. You know, we say, you know, at the end, he may, on his deathbed, uh, yeah. he may or may not have confessed. Is you know? that true? Uh, the, the, I, believe, I, I believe in Rolling Stone magazine it yeah. was printed that his son said he confessed. I believe. I want to be- but Whatever that yes, means. Exactly. What does that mean? Yes, exactly. But I just really like yeah. the depiction of- you know, because you didn't involve Nixon that much. On purpose. And I'll tell you something interesting. I don't yeah. know if you'll care about this. Originally, we had I'd shot this thing where you were going to sort of get a weird, almost like tape Uh almost microphone view of Nixon like under the desk like like I wanted to see the tape recordings in the basement of the White House and then almost like come up and then like you never see a face but you'd see the microphones and you would whatever and what I realized was we only know about these tapes now nobody knew about them then yeah and Nixon they didn't know what Nixon was thinking, and yeah. so why should the—I mean, I know this sounds silly, but it was very much about this is not the White House story. These are these guys. They're be given this weird mission, and they don't really know what to do. And so in a weird way, Nixon is who they're working for, but they never got to meet him. They never had interactions. So why should— people yeah. remove? Yeah, so why should the audience? Anyway, it was just an interesting no, no, but, little uh, thing. Yeah. But, but I get that, and that's yeah. the way
0: sort of power works, and that's the way these guys protect themselves. It's the way power works, the way the mafia works, by It's the also, also the way— yeah, yeah, uh, show business work, yeah. That you know, you get into the executive structure of right. things. They're just deflecting. Right. Blame. Tell him to tell him sure. to tell him. Because so, yeah. then I'm like, so I, I had yeah. nothing to do with that. Right. But uh, but like I just you know the dynamic, the comedy team of Liddy and Hunt, you know, and that you know, G. Yeah. Gordon Liddy, you know, was this sort of like ideological. You know, he was a go. You know. A nationalist guy. Yeah. And and a team player and a guy who wanted Nixon's approval. And Hunt was like, this is, you know, this is the way this goes.
1: It was a fascinating thing because Liddy at the time was desperate, desperate to be, like... Part of it. Part of it, but also, like, on some level, wanted to be James Bond. Like, he wants, he wants. And Hunt is the guy that's been through the ringer, yeah, yeah. may or may not have killed Kennedy, you or know, but, you know, it, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Or, or knew something about it. Yeah. And, but at the same time, has been put out to pasture, and he knows it's bullshit on some level, but yet he's also desperate and to get... And his wife's an ex des- Yeah, exactly. But he's desperate to get back to it. Yeah. And all that desperation is also, I think, what fuels their relationship, but sure. also... They're both... what makes it funny. But they're also both believers. Well, that's the thing. It is very much... This is the story of the birth of the modern Republican Party's true believerism, where you don't worry about what it's doing to you or your family or anything in the name of a president that will basically cut bait on you and yeah. throw you to the side. I mean, it's the it's the Michael Cohn story, but sure. it's not Michael Cohn. You yeah, know what it, I mean? It, yeah. it was, and also, you know,
0: there's something about, you know, the look of the thing's very good, the detail's very good, and also the the sort of reality of technology at the time is very good, and these guys, what you just sort of had to do to sort of cover your ass. Yeah. Was was limited to the technology. But I like that there is a through line of conspiracy, you know, even at the time. That- and
1: never answered, but certainly raising sure. it. Raising yeah, it, yeah.
0: No, I thought it was great. It oh, was very funny. That. And I and I and it was uh, I'm glad we got to have the conversation.
1: Yeah, no, this was fantastic. I Thanks, have- buddy. Okay, so that was that was good.
0: I have no foresight. Occasionally I have moments of slight foreshadowing but not much foresight and i never planned to write so i'm always happy to hear about how people do it and come about it in that life uh his show white house plumbers premieres monday night may 1st at uh, 9 p.m on hbo streaming on hbo max hang around for a second will you people okay look the full marin is full of material that didn't make it into regular podcast episodes. There's extra stuff from J. Smith Cameron, Kelly Reichart, and Ray Romano.
2: Phil Rosenthal's been on, you know, Phil? Yeah. I, do. Yeah. I do. I do.
0: I <laughs> I've interviewed I interviewed Phil uh yeah. years ago in the other place. At the do, other yeah, 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 yeah. And uh and now like uh you know, I, I, I
2: pass by the eating show. Can and, I tell you how funny it is? It's <sighs> It's funny, you know. Yeah. I love Phil. Me and Phil are friends, and, well, guys and, and wouldn't I worked together be, for years. I wouldn't be here. Yeah, I, we, he wouldn't be where he is without, and I wouldn't be where I am yeah. without him. But you know, he's always wanted to be uh, on, on camera, yeah, also. Right, and he's a, he's a foodie. Yeah, and now he's living. It's like God came down and said, "Everything you want, I'm yeah. going to give you." Yeah, and he goes on tour now. I, yeah. He plays out theaters and all over the world. And sells them out. Just I, talking about food talking or showing clips? A, about the show, sh- yeah. clips. There's a Q&A at yeah. the end. Somebody moderates it. Uh-huh. And I, I, I uh, did a guest appearance on one in Long Island. Yeah. And I came on. The crowd was into me, you know? Yeah. And, but I, and I said to Phil, I go, I got a question. How did this shit happen? Yeah. I go, I've been doing stand-up for 35 years. You go to, to Poland and eat meatloaf. <laughs> And you're selling out theaters. And um, anyway, I stayed for the Q and A. Yeah. And I, I, I learned my lesson. I'm going if I ever do that again, leave before the Q and A. They didn't ask me one question. They didn't, they care. didn't care. It's all <laughs> film. and I love it. I mean, good for him, you know. Yeah, it's all there,
0: at the full marin. To sign up for the full Marin, click on the link in the episode description and you'll get all the weekly bonus content plus ad-free access to all WTF episodes. You can also go to WTFpod.com and click on WTF Plus. Next week we have Titus Burgess on Monday. That's a heavy one. And comedian Shane Moss is back on Thursday to talk about his journey with bottoming out on psychedelics and, and his support of science in the face of lunacy. Uh, which I thought was a good, good conversation to have. That'll be Thursday. And now I'm going to play, uh, you know, you'll recognize it if you recognize it. Monkey Lafonda.